Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can we give a clap of it unto the Lord one more time? We thank God for this evening. And as we have come before the Lord to hear the word of the Lord, it's my prayer that we shall learn from the Lord's feet. And we shall live here with a deeper understanding of his word. Amen. This evening we shall be treating a very important subject. And we shall be looking at understanding the parable of the wheat and the tares. Understanding the parable of the wheat and the tares. Shall we bow our heads for a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. We pray that even as we have come to hear your word, may you bless our hearts. May we leave this place with a deeper understanding of you and of your word. We pray that may we receive answers to questions. We pray that may our hearts be moved to love you more and to know you more. In Jesus' name we have prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Understanding the parable of the wheat and the test. This is one of the parables that Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 13. And we'll read from verse 24 to the verse 30. Matthew chapter 13 from verse 24 to verse 30. If we can do original King James. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came to him and said unto him, Sir, did not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it test? He said unto them, An enemy had done this. The servant said unto him, Was thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Amen. Now this is a parable that Jesus uh, said to his disciples. A, a parable that we are all familiar with. Now in this parable, Jesus says that a man went onto the field to sow wheat or good seed. And the Bible says that whilst men slept, the enemy came. And the enemy sowed tests or bad seeds or weeds or evil seeds. Now, Jesus, after telling uh, this parable to his disciples, now begins to explain the parable to the disciples. And we see Jesus explain this parable in the verse 36 to verse 43. Jesus actually explains this parable to the disciples. And we want to look at the explanation Jesus gave to this parable and we will analyze the various things that Jesus says about this parable. From verse 36 to 
43. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed, the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be weeping, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. So, Jesus explains this parable to his disciples. Now, Jesus starts to explain this parable by explaining three major things to the disciples. Number one, Jesus explains to them what is the field. Then he explains to them what is the good seed. Then he explains to them who is the one sowing the good seed. He explains the field to them. He explains what is the good seed. And he explains who it is that is sowing the good seed. We we see this in verse 37 and verse 38. If we can look at 37 and 38. He says, He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seeds are the children of the kingdom. Some versions say that the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. So Jesus explains this parable, and Jesus says that the field is the world. He explains what the field is, and he says that the field is the world. Then he says that, The good seed are a group of people who are called the sons of the kingdom or the children of the kingdom. Then he explains that the one who goes to sow the good seed is the son of man, which is Christ Jesus or God himself. Hallelujah. So the sower of the good seed is the son of man. The sower of the good seed is God himself. Now, this should help you understand that God is not asleep. That God is not resting. God is actually at work. Day in, day out, God is working. And what work is he doing? The work he is doing is that God is busy planting into this field that is called the world. He is busy planting good seed. Hallelujah. Every morning, every evening, every second, every hour, God is working. And the work he is doing is that he is going into the field. He is going into this world. And he is preoccupied with planting good seeds in this field that is called the world. Now, that is why the other day... Jesus came and said that I have work to do. He said that I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. For night cometh where no man can work. What work was he talking about? He was talking about the work of planting good seeds in this world. Hallelujah. So God is at work. God is not asleep. God is not resting. And the work that God is doing every day, every hour, every second, is that God is busy planting good seeds in this field that is called the world. Hallelujah. Now, who are these good seeds? You and I are the good seeds. The Bible says that the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. The good seeds are the children of the kingdom. You and I are the sons of the kingdom. We are the children of the kingdom. How do we know this? Let's go to John chapter 1 and verse 12. 
John chapter 1 verse 12. It says that, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed in his name. So the Bible says that as many as received him, as received him, to them that believed in his name, he gave them one thing. He gave them power to become the sons of God. He gave them power to become the sons of the kingdom or the children of the kingdom. So anybody who has believed in Christ Jesus, anybody who believes in the name of Jesus, who believes in the authority of Christ, who has accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and personal Savior, is the son of the kingdom. And Jesus calls the sons of the kingdom, he calls them good seed. Hallelujah. So the good seed that is being spoken about in the parable is referring to you and I. It is referring to those of us that have received the Lordship of Christ. We are the sons of the kingdom. We are the good seed. Now, you have to understand that when you become good seed, you become a good seed through the the, the, the routine of salvation, through the process of salvation. So through salvation, you metamorphose to become a good seed. Now, we have to understand that when you become a good seed, every good seed has an assignment. Immediately you become a good seed. There's an assignment that is waiting for you. What is the assignment of the good seed? Now, the assignment of every good seed is good works. Hallelujah. I'll say that again. The assignment of every good seed is good works. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. We'll read from verse 8 to verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to verse 10. It says that, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. So the Bible says that we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for one purpose, for good works. We are God's workmanship. We are God's planting. We were created in Christ Jesus. We've been planted in Christ Jesus. And we've been planted in Christ Jesus for one purpose, for one reason, for one assignment, for good works. Hallelujah. So the reason for the planting of the good seed in this world is so that the good seed will, uh, will, will bring forth good works. That is the essence of the planting of the good seed in this world. So every good seed has an assignment, and the assignment of the good seed is good works. Now, the evidence that God has indeed planted good seed in this world is the good works that is witnessed by the world. Hallelujah. As good works emanate from the good seed, it's, it, it's what attests to the fact that God has indeed planted good seeds in this world. Praise the Lord. You see, that is why Jesus told his disciples, I think it's, it's in Matthew chapter 5, he says that, Let your light therefore shine, that men might see thy good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So, what men are supposed to see from the good seed is good works. Good works that comes from the good seed is the manifestation, is the attestation of the fact that God has indeed planted some good seeds in this world. Hallelujah. So we see the reason for the planting of the good seed in this world. If you are a good seed, I came to announce to you that the reason for your planting is that God shall see some good works come out of you. And when good works are seen by men coming out of you, they give glory to the Father in heaven. I like the way the, the prophet Isaiah puts it uh, in Isaiah 61 and the verse 3. Isaiah 61, verse 3. Now, this is what Isaiah says. He says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, 
to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So Isaiah tells us that we are the planting of the Lord. Matthew tells us that the, the sower went into the field and he sows good seed. He planted good seed. And I came to tell you that the essence of the good seed is that when they see our good works, they shall, see, they shall give glory to our Father in heaven. And Isaiah is telling us that we may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So the whole essence for which God is planting good seeds in this world, is that out of the good seeds shall proceed good works. And when men see the good works, they shall give glory to the Father in heaven. Hallelujah. So there is a question to be asked. If you are a good seed, but we do not see any good works emanating from you, you must reassess your claim of being a good seed. If indeed you claim to be planted of the Lord in this world, but we cannot testify of the fruit of good works that come out of you. Hallelujah. I pray that as good seeds, may men see the good works come out of us. Hallelujah. It is what will add to the fact that God has indeed planted some good seeds in this world. It saddens my heart when a lot of times they say that there are a lot of Christians in this world, but we don't see any change. You see, that should tell you that what will bring um, people or men to the Notice of the fact that God has his people in this world, that God has planted good seed in this world. It's when they begin to see the change and the goodwill that comes out of the seed that he has planted. Hallelujah. God is seeking that the seeds he has planted in this world, God is seeking that they will emanate good works. Hallelujah. Now, the question is, how does the good seed that has been planted in this field that is called the world, how does the good seed mature to the point where good works begin to emanate out of that good seed. Paul helps us to know how this happens. In the letter he writes to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, from verse 16 and verse 17. This is a popular scripture that we are all familiar with. The Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. 17, that the man of God may be made perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's go to verse 16 again. The Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, this particular verse addresses the whole argument about the origin of the Bible and whether the Bible was written by men and men used their wisdom and everything. This particular scripture silences all the critics. It says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Hallelujah. End of the or end of matter, end of question. How did the Bible come? It came by inspiration of God. So the Bible says that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Now, the Bible now continues to explain to us the usefulness of scripture. The Bible says that and is profitable for doctrine, which is for teaching, for reproof, that is rebuke, for correction and for instruction in righteousness. This is the usefulness of scripture to the believer. It's useful for doctrine, for teaching about the Christian faith. That is doctrine. Doctrine basically deals with the teaching of the Christian faith. It is useful for reproof. That's for rebuke. It's useful for correction and for instruction in righteousness. 
Now, what it means is that as a believer continues to plant himself in the study of the word, what happens is that he begins to grow in understanding of doctrine. He begins to grow in understanding of the principles of the Christian faith. That is doctrine. Now, he, re- he, he receives rebuke when he messes up. He receives correction when he errs. And then he receives instructions or guidance in the way of righteousness. This is the usefulness of scripture to the believer. So, the more the believer delves into the study of the, of the scripture... This is what is going to happen in his life. This is the benefit and the usefulness of scripture that is, is going to come to him. Now, as the elements of doctrine, as the elements of reproof, as the elements of correction and instruction in righteousness is coming to the believer by virtue of his study of the word, when all of these elements have had these full workings on the believer, the net effect of the workings of doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness, the, the, the net effect or the impact that all of these workings has on the believer is what we see in the verse, in the verse 17. Let's look at verse 17. It says that, that the man of God be made perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So, so when the Bible has been able to grab you or has had this effect of doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness, that, that what happens to you is that the man of God, the son of the kingdom, the children of the kingdom, the good seed that has been planted, the good seed becomes perfect and it becomes thoroughly, thoroughly furnished, thoroughly prepared, thoroughly equipped to do what? To exhibit good works. So the ability of the good seed to exhibit good work is dependent on the workings of the scripture on the good seed. Praise the Lord. So if you are a good seed and you manifest good works or you will be thoroughly furnished to exhibit good works, it's dependent on how much you delve into the scripture. It is the workings and the effects of the scripture upon your life that makes you thoroughly furnished or thoroughly prepared unto all good works. Praise the Lord. You see, that is why they are good seeds. They are people who believe in Christ, but we don't see the manifestation of the good works that is proceeding from them. Because you, the good seed matures to the element or the dimension of manifesting good works by the entrance of the word, by the workings of the word. Hallelujah. So the more you delve deeper into the word of God, the more you delve deeper into the study of the word of God, and the word of the, the Lord begins to have full impact and effect on you, there's one thing that you can be assured of, is that you'll be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You shall be thoroughly furnished to exhibit good works. Hallelujah. I just came to challenge us that let's delve deeper into the study of the word. God has planted good seed in this, in this world, but the good seed will not exhibit good works until the full effect and the impact of the workings of God is seen in the life of the believer. Hallelujah. I pray that God shall give us a hunger for His Word. God has created us unto good works. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Second Timothy tells us the man of God may be made perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Matthew chapter 5 tells us that let your light therefore shine, that all men shall see your good works and give uh, uh, um, glory to your Father in heaven. So the whole essence of the planting of the good seed is good works. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us that whilst God or the Son of Man 
or the sower went into the field to sow seeds. He wasn't the only person that was busy sowing seeds. God is not the only person that is busy planting good seeds into this field called the world. The Bible says that whilst men slept, an enemy came and the enemy sowed weeds or evil seeds or bad seeds in the same field. You have to understand that just as God is busy planting good seeds, Satan is not idle. Satan is also busy. And he's also busy planting evil seeds in the same field. It wasn't in a different field that the enemy went to sow seeds. It was the same field. The same field that the Son of Man went to sow good seeds. It was in that same field that the enemy or Satan also went to sow seeds. So you must understand and you must recognize that just as God is busy planting good seeds into this world, Satan is also busy and he's planting evil seeds in this same world. Hallelujah. It is in the same field that Satan is planting evil seeds. What does this mean? You see, what it means is that, for example, as God is busy preparing a young man somewhere in a certain city, whom he is going to use to bring about a revival across the world, Satan is also busy, and he's also planting in that same city, in that same locality, a young lady who will come and distract that young man and cut off his destiny and distract him. In the same field that God is busy planting and preparing a good seed, in that same field, in that same city, in that same area, Satan is also busy. And he's also busy planting an evil seed that will compete and counteract and distract the good seed. Hallelujah. It's in that same field. For example, as God is busy preparing a certain pastor in a certain, in a certain locality, in a certain area, who will lead people on the way of righteousness, who will lead people to Christ, who bring healing and deliverance to people. Satan is busy and he's planting in that same town. He's planting a false prophet who will lead them with lying signs and wonders. So in that same city, in that same field, in that same space, in that same atmosphere, where God is preparing a good seed, Satan is also busy. And he's also busy preparing an evil seed in that same place and in that same field. Maybe in a secondary school somewhere, where God is busy preparing a young lady whom we will use in these last days. Satan is also busy. And he's also busy preparing in that same school another young girl who will befriend this other girl and who will take her and distract her and pull her away from anything called Christ and Christianity. In that same field, in that same locality, Satan is also busy. And he's also busy preparing an evil seed in that same field. Hallelujah. That is why we have to be careful as believers. I remember a young lady I was talking to somewhere last year or the year before whom you could clearly see that the Lord had plans for this young lady. This young lady could minister and people will fall under the power of the Holy Ghost. She entered first year of secondary school and she came back with many testimonies about how the Lord was using her in the, in the school. Second year down the line, I had a chat with this same lady and I said, look, I've not seen you around in a while. What's happening? And he said, oh, look, I, I don't have interest for these kind of things again. He said, yeah, I, this singing and ministering and church, I don't have interest again in all of that. I, it's not something I want to be involved in. Yeah, and it was because Satan succeeded in planting an evil seed. In that same school that he was being used powerfully, Satan found a way of planting an evil seed in that same field, in that same space. And that evil seed contaminated the good seed. So I'm telling you that just as God is busy planting good seeds, oh, Satan is also very busy. 
He's also very active. And he's not planting his evil seed in another field. In the same field, in the same space, Satan is also busy. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that Satan was able to plant the evil seed in the field because men slept. The Bible says that whilst men slept, an enemy came and he sowed evil seeds. Whilst men slept. What does the Bible mean when, when the Bible says that whilst men slept? You see, when you study the story of Jesus and his disciples, the Bible gives us a window to understanding that, that phrase, whilst men slept. Whilst Jesus was with his, his disciples, you will come to see that Jesus prayed a lot for his disciples. Jesus spent a lot of time praying for his disciples. For example, when, when you go to John chapter 17, we see how Jesus prays for his disciples. I think John 17 verse 11, Jesus prays for his disciples. And Jesus prays to the Lord and to the Father. He says that, Lord, preserve them by the power of your name. He says that, now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them through your name. Keep them through your name, those whom you have given to me, that they may, not, that they may be one as we are one. 18. Verse 18. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them also into the world. So we see that the whole of John chapter 17, Jesus prays for his disciples. And Jesus prays to the Father that, look, keep them, protect them. Let none of them be lost. Let not the enemy attack them. Preserve them from, from the attacks of deception. Preserve them from malice and accusations and all of these things. The, the whole of John 17, Jesus spends time and he's praying for his disciples. One day, Jesus met Simon and said that, Simon, Simon, Satan has sought to sift you as sweet, but I have prayed for you but that your faith shall not fail. And when you have stood, uh, 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 strengthen your brethren. So you realize that all through Jesus' dealings with his disciples, Jesus spent time praying for his disciples. So when you read in Mark chapter 1 that in the cool of the day, Jesus would wake up and go to a solitary place and there pray. He wasn't just praying for himself. He wasn't just praying that the Lord would use him. He wasn't just praying that he shall be endued with power. One of the things he was praying in those solitary moments and those early morning prayers that he was praying for his disciples, that the Lord would preserve them from the attacks of the enemy. Hallelujah. So we see clearly that in Jesus' walk and in Jesus' dealing with his disciples, Jesus spends time praying for his disciples. But you see, a time came where the table stand. A time came when Jesus needed his disciples to stand with him in prayer. A time came when the enemy was about to attack Jesus. And so Jesus said, look, come with me. He took Peter, James, and John, and they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, look, will you watch with me whilst I go and pray? In other words, saying that, will you pray with me? And the Bible says that Jesus went and prayed. And when he came back, he found Peter, James and John, the very people that were supposed to stand with him in prayer, he found them sleeping. And he said that, could you not tarry with me one hour? And the Bible says that he went and he came back a second time and he still found them sleeping. And he went and he came back a third time and he still found them sleeping. The very people that were supposed to stand with him in prayer, they were the very people that were sleeping. This is the meaning of when the Bible says that whilst men slept, the enemy came and so tears. Look, in, our, in this kingdom that we find ourselves, in the body of Christ that we find ourselves, because we are fighting a common enemy, we are mandated to be intercessors one for another. Because we are fighting a common enemy. And because we are fighting a common enemy, you have a responsibility to be an intercessor for me. And I have a responsibility to be an intercessor for you. Hallelujah. But unfortunately, the body of Christ has not come to this realization that we are intercessors one for another. That is the realization that the disciples did not come to. 
that just the same way that Jesus was an intercessor for them, in that hour, in that moment, Jesus needed them to also intercede for them. But in that very hour, the people that were supposed to be his prayer partners, the people that were supposed to pray for him, they went to sleep, and it's because they could not recognize that in that moment, Satan was about to attack him. This is one of the pitfalls of the church. We do not recognize that we are mandated to be intercessors one for another. And so it is very difficult to find us praying for our brother. This is what the Bible means when it says that whilst men slept, the enemy came and so tears. Whilst men slept, the enemy came and so tears. Whilst the husband slept, the enemy came and so tears. Whilst the, whilst the wife slept, whilst the wife did not pray for the husband, the enemy came and so tears. While the pastor did not pray for the congregation, the enemy came and so tears. While the congregation did not pray for the pastor, the enemy came and so tears. While the believers did not pray for the nation, the enemy came and so tears. While the parents did not pray for the children, the enemy came and so tears. So the reason why the enemy is advancing and is progressing and gaining grants in sointers is because men have slept. It's because we do not recognize that we are intercessors one for another. Hallelujah. I pray that tonight we shall come to that recognition that God has called you to pray for another brethren. God has called you to be an intercessor for somebody. If the, if the, if the church of Christ does not come to this realization, I can tell you that Satan will gain a lot of grounds. Why? Because men are asleep. We have lost the essence of being intercessors one for another. Whilst men slept, the enemy came and sowed an evil seed in your husband's office. Whilst men slept, the enemy came and sowed an evil seed in your business. Whilst men slept, the enemy came and sowed an evil seed in our church. Whilst men slept, the enemy came and sowed an evil seed in our ministry. Whilst men slept, the enemy came and sowed an evil seed in our nation. Hallelujah. I came to tell you tonight that if you sleep, a lot of things will die in your life if you sleep. There are a lot of things which will be destroyed in your life if you sleep. In Psalm 13 and the verse 3, the psalmist says something interesting. He says, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Look, there's a sleep called the sleep of death. There is a sleep called the sleep of death. There is a certain sleep that when you die, when you sleep, things will die in your life. There comes a point when you sleep, your ministry will die. There comes a point when you sleep, your calling will die. There comes a point when you sleep, your business will die. There comes a point when you sleep, your marriage will die. There comes a point when you sleep, the church that God has given to you will die. There comes a point when you sleep, the children that God has given to you will die. So the psalmist understood it. So he said that, lighten my eyes. In other words, keep me awake, lest I sleep a sleep. That will kill everything in my life. I pray that this is one of the scriptures that will keep dear to our hearts. Lighting my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. The reason why Satan is gaining grounds in our nation is because we have slept and we are sleeping the sleep of death. I pray that tonight God will lighten our eyes. I pray that we shall arise from our sleep and we shall arise from our slumber. Hallelujah. Whilst men slept, the enemy came and so tested. When, when you read the, the book of Colossians, the Bible speaks of a man by name Epaphras. Now, Epaphras is the classic example 
when it comes to men who do not sleep. Epaphras is a classic example when it comes to a saint who can intercede on behalf of other saints. Now, Apostle Paul speaks of this man, Epaphras, and listen to what he says about him. Colossians chapter 4 and the verse 12. If we can read it in the NIV, Colossians 4 and the verse 12. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greeting. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you might stand firm in the will of God and, and, be, mature, and be fully matured. 13. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you, for those at Laodicea and Herapolis. This was Paul's testimony of the man Epaphras. He says that he is wrestling in prayer for you. He is wrestling in prayer for you. He was talking about the Colossian church and was saying that there is a man who is called Epaphras. And that man is wrestling in prayer for you. And not only for the church in Colossians, in Laodicea and Herapolis, this same man Epaphras was wrestling in prayer for them. Epaphras was a gatekeeper for three churches. The church in Colossians, the church in Laodicea and the church in Herapolis. Epaphras was a gatekeeper for these churches. And Apostle Paul was saying that that man did not sleep. That man was keeping watch over these churches. The churches in this city, he was praying for them. He was keeping watch over them. He was wrestling in prayer for them. Epaphras is a classic example of a man who understands that he is called to be an intercessor. He is called to intercede. As the body of Christ, we are called to intercede one for another. I pray that tonight the spirit of Epaphras shall come upon us. The spirit of an intercessor, we shall come to the realization that we are called to intercede one for another. Now, every time I read this verse... I dare say that probably the reason why the church in Laodicea received a second chance was because men like Epaphras had spent time sowing countless hours of prayer in the spirit for the churches. Perhaps that is why the church in Laodicea received a second chance. Why do I say this? When you go to Revelation chapter 3 and the Lord begins to write the letter to the seven churches, all the six churches, apart from Laodicea, all the six churches received recommendations. The, the, the Lord will start his letter and he will start recommending them. Then at the tail end, he will say that, yet I have this one thing against you. So for all the other six churches, their letters started with a recommendation and ended in rebuke. But for the church in Laodicea, their letter started in rebuke and intended in rebuke. There was no single recommendation or commendation that the Lord made around the church in Laodicea. So the, the Lord could have taken their lampstand immediately. But I believe that because of the prayers of men like Epaphras, the church in Laodicea received a second chance. That is why probably the Lord did not take away their lampstand. Hallelujah. It was because of men like Epaphras who spent countless hours in prayer for the saints. I pray that may we become like a Epaphras. Hallelujah. Whilst men slept, the enemy came and so tears. Whilst men slept, the enemy came and so tears. When you study the church in Galatia, you will come to understand that the enemy almost entirely succeeded in showing evil throughout the church in Galatia. You see, after Paul had gone to the church in Galatia and Paul had preached salvation through grace and through faith, in, in the Son of God. Whilst men slept, an enemy came, messengers of Satan came, and they began to teach another doctrine which was different from the doctrine that Paul preached. They began to teach salvation by works. Now, it is for this reason that 
Apostle Paul begins to address the church in Galatia, in Galatians 3. And he says that, Oh ye foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was because after Paul had preached and Paul had gone, messengers of Satan also came. Satan infiltrated the church in Galatia. And he began to sow evil men, evil seeds in that church. And so a group of people came who began, began to teach another doctrine. Who began to teach that salvation comes by work and not by grace and by faith in Christ Jesus. Now, it's, they succeeded because whilst men slept, an enemy came and an enemy sowed tears. Now, Apostle Paul, after rebuking them in Galatians chapter 3, he now switches into Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, and listen to what he says. He says, My little children, of whom I travel in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. So, Apostle Paul at this point recognizes that, look, Satan has gained grounds in the church in Galatia. An enemy has come, and the enemy has prevailed in sowing evil seeds. So he switches and he says that, look, whilst I was away from you, because nobody was in prayer for you, because nobody was wrestling for you. Now, you know that Epaphras was praying for the church in Colossians and Laodicea and Herapolis, but we do not see anybody who was praying for the church in Galatia. And so Apostle Paul recognized that because of the absence of intercession for the church in Galatia, whilst men slept over the church in Galatia, an enemy came, and the enemy sows evil seeds. And so Apostle Paul comes back in verse in chapter 4 and says that I will go obey again in travel until Christ be formed in you. I will come again in travel until the enemy is weeded out, until you come again to maturity in Christ Jesus. Because whilst there was the absence of travel for the church, an enemy came and an enemy sowed seeds. Praise the Lord. I pray that we shall come to this understanding that when we sleep, we shall sleep the sleep of death. When we sleep, when we do not rise up to pray, a lot of things shall die in our nation. A lot of things shall die in our lives. The enemy will gain ground and the enemy will sow evil seeds. Hallelujah. Whilst men slept, the enemy came and the enemy sowed tears. May we not sleep. May we not slumber. May we always be awake. May we always be alert. Hallelujah. Whilst men slept, the enemy came, and the enemy sowed tears. Now, there's something interesting that the Lord begins to tell us in the same parable. The Bible says that at the end of the age, the Son of Man shall send forth the reapers, the angels. And the Bible says that, and they shall gather the wheat into the barns, and they shall gather the tears, and they shall burn them in the burning furnace. Now, in the, in the ending of the parable, the Lord Jesus begins to show us the end of all men. There's, the, there's only one end to all men. You either end up in the Lord's kingdom or you end up in burning furnace. At the end of the world, at the end of age, there's a time coming and it's called the end of the age. And what will happen is that, let's read in verse 30, let both go together unto the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Hallelujah. So this is the end of all men. When the end has come, when the end of the age has come, this is what will happen to all men. A certain group shall be gathered and they shall be burned in fire. And a certain group shall be gathered and they shall be gathered into God's kingdom. They shall be gathered into the barn. Now, 
the end of every good seed is that you shall be gathered into the barn. And the end of every, good, of every evil seed is that you, sh- you shall be gathered and you shall be burned up. Anybody that avails themselves to be used as good seed, anybody that avails themselves to be used for good works by the Father, this is your end. Your end is that you shall end up in the kingdom. And anybody that avails themselves to be used as an evil seed or to be used as stairs, this is your end. The, your end is that you shall end up in hellfire. Now, that is why Jesus comes and says in the book of Revelation, He says that, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is in my hand, to give to each man according to his works. So when God comes, He shall give to each man according to his works. Some of, them, some of those who are called evil seeds shall find themselves in burning fire, and some of those who are called good seeds shall find themselves in the Lord's kingdom. Now, be, if you are a believer, please and please understand this end very well. Understand that, that this is the end of the world. Understand that this is the end of all humanity. When you come to this realization, it will help you a lot not to be envious when you see the wicked prospering. It will help you not to be perturbed when you see the sons of the wicked seemingly making it because you understand that this is the end of all men. That in the end, the sons of the wicked shall be burned, shall burned in hellfire and the sons of the righteous the sons of the righteous, the sons of the kingdom, they shall end up in the Lord's kingdom. This is the end of all men. If you are a believer and you have this clear understanding of the end of all men, you shall not be moved and you shall not be shaken when evil men seem to be prospering because you know their end. Sometimes some people question and they ask themselves, I have served the Lord. I have devoted time. I have devoted energy. I have given all my life to serving the Lord. And when I look at my life, and I look at other people who don't seem to be serving God, who seem to be living their lives the way they want, they seem to be making progress. They seem to be making it. They seem to be advancing. They seem to be making money. They seem to be getting the promotion. And I look at my life, and I look at how I've devoted myself to the Lord, and I see that I seem not to be going anywhere. And sometimes we are perturbed, and sometimes we are discouraged. And we ask ourselves, is it worth serving the Lord? Is there, is there any usefulness of serving God? Is it worth devoting all this time and energy? I came to tell you, this shall be the end of all men. This shall be the end of all men. This shall be the end of all men. The, the sons of wickedness, who seems to be making it, this is their end. It is for this reason why you must not be envious of them. It is for this reason that you must not be worried. It's for this reason that you shall not be perturbed. Why? Because you know that your light affliction, which is but for a moment, will work for you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So you might be going through tough times. You might be going through challenges. Maybe you are a young pastor. You've started and you are struggling to do things the right way. You are bent on going the right way. You are bent on depending on God. You are bent on relying solely on Him. And you see another person who seemingly has just come and he has decided to use charm and crookery and trickery and crooked ways to amass congregation and you are looking at them and you are tempted and you are saying that is it worth going through the right path is it worth going through the right channel maybe you're a young man and you're in in an organization with with a group of people and some of them have joined the lodges and freemasons and so on and so forth and they seem to be rising up the ladder and you are determined to still serve god and to still hold on to god and you are at where you are sometimes you can be discouraged sometimes you can be perturbed sometimes you can ask yourself where is god in all of this why is god is he not the one who said you bless he's not the one who said you elevate he's not the one who said that you take us far. What is happening? Why, why is it that the sons of the wicked are prospering? I came to tell you, be encouraged by this end. 
be encouraged by this end, that at the end of all things, the sons of the kingdom shall be gathered to him in his glory, and the sons of the wicked shall be gathered in hellfire. You see, we are not the first people in the world to feel like this. If you feel discouraged, you are not the first person to feel like this. The psalmist says, I think in Psalm 72, Psalm 73, from verse 2 and verse 3, there's something interesting that the psalmist says. If you can read from NKJV, Psalm 73, it says, But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. Verse 3, For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 4, For there is no pangs in death, but their strength is firm. He says that I was envious of the wicked. Why? Because, verse 3, look at, look at how he puts it. I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And the verse 2, he says that my, my feet nearly slipped. In other words, he was saying that, look, I nearly backslided. I nearly gave up. I nearly threw in the towel. My feet almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. I, am, I had almost given up. I have almost given up on the faith because I looked and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And I saw how they don't have pain. I saw how all things seem to be going on well with them. And some of us, this is what we've been, we've been pondering about. This is what we've been talking to God about. And we've been asking ourselves, why, why, why is this person making I came to tell you that the end of all men is clear. The end of the wicked is clear. And the end of the righteous is clear. At the end of the day, at the end of all things, the righteous shall be gathered in glory with the Lord. And the wicked shall be burned. Do not give up. Do not give up. I don't know your circumstances. I don't know what you, you are going through. I don't know the questions you have asked God. And look, it's not all of our questions which, are, which shall be answered here on earth. It's not, it's not everything you fully understand. The Bible says that we know in part and we prophesy in part. It's not everything that the Bible says that now we see dimly as in a glass. It's not everything that we shall have compre- comprehension of. But there's one thing we can be assured of. There's one thing we, shall be, we can be assured of, that in the end, we shall go rejoicing. In the end, we shall go rejoicing. In the end, every good seed shall go rejoicing. In the end, those who have devoted themselves to the, to, the, to the purposes of God, to the counsels of God, to the ways of God, those who have decided that God shall have his way through them, our end shall be glorious. Hallelujah. I pray that tonight, some of us, things are dying in our lives. 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 We know ourselves. We know what is happening in us. Some of us, our, if you're a student, some of us, our academics are dying. If you're a businessman, sometimes your business is dying. If you're in a marriage, sometimes your marriage is dying. And I came to tell you that there's a solution. Arise from your sleep. Arise from your slumber. Arise from your sleep. Whilst men slept, the enemy came and so tears. Now, let's be mindful that sometimes, sometimes, the tests that the enemy is showing, sometimes they look like good seeds. Sometimes the tests look like good seeds. Let's go back to the same parable um, in, in, in Matthew chapter 13. When the disciple asked them, shall we go and uproot the evil seeds? L- listen to what the master said. If you can find that verse for us. 
in Matthew chapter 13. Let's start from 28. He said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant says unto them, Will thou, will thou them that we go and gather them up? In other words, should we go and uproot the evil seeds? Listen to what his master said. He said but he says, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. The master said to the servant, Look, don't, don't go and uproot the evil seeds. Because sometimes in your attempt to remove the evil seeds, you may end up removing the good seeds. Why did the Lord say that? It's because, look, the evil seeds, and sometimes they look, they look almost like the good seeds. The evil seeds, sometimes they look almost like the good seeds. So the servants, the, the, the master told the servants, leave them. They shall all grow up. And when they all grow up, the difference between the good seed and the evil seed will be clearly seen. Sometimes, eh, the evil seed looks like a good seed. Sometimes the evil seed that is planted close to the good seed, sometimes it looks almost like the good seed. That's why the Bible says that the devil comes as an angel of light. When Samson encountered an evil seed, God called Delilah. At first, I'm sure she thought that, look, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He thought that, look, I have found the one that the Lord has prepared for me. Because sometimes eh, the evil seed looks almost like the good seed. I pray that the Lord shall grant us discernment. As we move about engaging with people, interacting with people, May the Lord open our eyes to be able to discern a good seed from an evil seed. May the Lord open our eyes so that we shall not have close affinity to any test which has disguised itself or which looks almost like a wheat. Hallelujah. May the Lord open our eyes. May the Lord grant us grace to be prayer warriors first for ourselves and secondly for the saints. May God lighten our eyes lest we sleep the sleep of death. In the next few minutes, I want us to be on our feet. I want us to be on our feet. I want us to say a prayer for ourselves. You may be in the congregation and you will affirm to yourself that your prayer life is almost gone. Your intercessory life is almost gone. You can see that you no longer pray like you used to. You can see that you are asleep. And for some of us, the enemy has probably gained ground. Satan has managed to be able to sow some wheat, some tests in our fields. You just want to lift up your voice in just a few minutes. I want to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lighten my eyes, lest everything in my life begin to die. Lighten my eyes, lest the enemy is able to infiltrate my family. Lighten my eyes, lest the enemy is able to infiltrate my business. Lighten my eyes, lest the enemy is able to infiltrate my ministry. Oh Lord, lighten our eyes, lest we sleep the sleep of death. You just want to lift up your voice in a few minutes. And you are saying that, Father, in the name of Jesus, we have come to see that whilst men slept, the enemy came and so tears. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. May we not sleep in the name of Jesus. May we begin to arise from our slumber. May we begin to arise from our slumber. May we begin to arise from our slumber. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Help us, O God. Help us, O God. Let there be a reignition and a resurrection, O God, in our prayer lives, in the name of Jesus. Let there be a revival in our prayer lives, 
in the name of Jesus. May we begin to arise unto prayer. May we begin to arise and call upon the name of the Lord. May we begin to arise in intercession. 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 Maybe you are here. And the same way that Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the garden of Gethsemane. And he said that stand with me in prayer. Maybe you are here. And you know that the Lord has called you to stand with some people in prayer. Maybe you know that God has called you to be an intercessor for the church. To be an intercessor for somebody's ministry. To be an intercessor for somebody's family. To be an intercessor for a brother or a sister. To be an intercessor for somebody that God has called into the ministry. To be a major force behind a certain work that God is doing. Maybe you are a Peter. Maybe you are a James. Maybe you are a John. But you realize that you have slept on your Jesus. The Lord assigned you to a particular Jesus. The Lord assigned you to a man of God uh, whom you were supposed to intercede for and pray for. But when you receive that call, when the time came for you to be an intercessor, ah, you found yourself sleeping. You are saying that, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus, let every Peter, let every James, let every John, maybe you are here, you have identified that you have been called to be like part of those three who were called to stand with Jesus. You are called to be part of those three who are supposed to stand with a major move, a major man of God, a major ministry, a major assignment, a major program of God. But when, when the Lord came back, He found you asleep. You are saying that, Father, in the name of Jesus, may I begin to arise. May I begin to arise. May I begin to arise. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That thing that you called me to support and to intercede and to pray for. Maybe you are here and you are an Epaphras and you are called to minister and to pray for a certain church in Laodicea, a certain church in Colossians, a certain church in Herapolis but you are asleep. You are saying that Father, like, like Epaphras, may, may I receive that testimony from heaven that I am wrestling in prayer. Maybe you are here and you are called to be one of the gatekeepers and intercessors for covenant family but you are asleep. You are praying and you are saying that Lord may the same grace that you came to Epaphras to stand in wrestle and to stand in prayer to the extent that the church in Laodicea could receive a second chance to the extent that you could look upon the prayers and the intercessions of Epaphras to say that I will give the church in Laodicea a second chance to say that I have every right to take away your lampstand but for the prayers of a man or like Epaphras I shall give you a second chance hey maybe 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 somebody's second chance is in your prayer maybe somebody's second chance is in your intercession but whilst men slept whilst men slept maybe somebody's second chance is in your ministry and is in your calling as an intercessor but you are asleep you are praying and you are saying that father in the name of jesus may i begin to rise to the occasion 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 in the name of jesus look i came to tell you that the jesus to which you have been assigned to you are a Peter, a Paul, a James. Ah, and you have been assigned to a Jesus. I came to tell you that the enemy is coming to attack your Jesus. The enemy, the people that you've been assigned to pray for, an enemy is coming to attack them. He's coming to attack them with discouragement. He's coming to attack them with depression. Jesus said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto the point of death. I came to tell you that the people that you have been called to stand with, their soul is extremely sorrowful. They are going through depression. The Satan is sending arrows to them uh, and they are 
depending on you and they are saying that stand with me keep watch with me say a prayer for me stand with me in prayer stand with me in prayer stand with me one hour in prayer stand with me two hours in prayer stand with me three hours in prayer there's a certain good work that has been done in the church in Galatia there's a certain good work that has been done by virtue of a crusade that we have so we have had somewhere and I came to tell you that messengers of Satan the enemy is busy and he's sending to those same areas where we have had crusades where we have preached the gospel Satan is sending other messengers and he's sending other evil seeds and they are preaching another gospel they are preaching another salvation they are preaching something which is not of God and the Galatian church the Galatian church to which you know of the Galatian church to which you've been assigned to the Galatian church to which you have been called to there is havoc and there is mayhem and there is distraction because Satan has entered by virtue of the fact that the people that have been assigned to be prayer warriors for that spiritual Galatia we are asleep you want to say Father in the name of Jesus may I arise may I arise may we arise to our calling and mandate in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus, may people return to their assignments. In the name of Jesus, may people return to the people they have been sent to. In the name of Jesus, may people return to the place of prayer for the people they have been sent to. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, maybe you are here and the Lord spoke clearly to you. The Lord spoke clearly to you and the Lord said, I called you to stand with these people in prayer. I called you to stand with these people in prayer. I called you to stand in wrestle with these people. But you have abdicated your position. You have abdicated your, your assignment. I pray, may the Lord give you grace tonight. In the name of Jesus. May the Lord give you grace tonight. In the name of Jesus. When Jesus comes, may he not find us asleep on our assignment. May he not find us asleep on our assignment. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, lighten our eyes, lest we sleep the sleep of death. Thank you for grace. Thank you for strength. Thank you for a revival. Thank you for awakening. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Peace and many blessings.